0: Generosity. Last week we said moving towards transformation. And transformation is simply change, becoming something or someone different. And in point number one, I said this God is what? God is the first and most generous giver. And that's a foundational statement. As we look up to God, we look up to one who is generous. And we talked about God's generosity, God's beauty. God's gift of life to us. God is the first and most generous giver. Now, secondly, we realize that we are most like God when we give. If you want to do something God-like, then be generous, because God is generous. And so we talked about that, and, but the problem is, as we look up to God and God is generous, as we try to give, we realize a change needs to come, because we are born Greedy. And so we said God's Spirit transforms the greedy into the generous. And remember, we quoted that Scripture from um, Romans where Paul's writing, and he says God has poured out His love into our hearts, and I poured uh, water into a glass of water. God's poured His love into you with the goal of helping you to be generous. So the foundation for generosity is really God. And if you're not connected to God, I don't think you're going to be as generous as you could be because God transforms us helping us to become generous. And that's really the foundation. I wanted to review that with, this, with you this morning because we move from there toward generosity. Now, our key word today is freedom. It's freedom. And I want to talk to you about moving towards freedom as we think about generosity. Uh, in the 1980s, if you're a business person, you've heard this quote. In the 1980s, Ivan Bosky said three words. They became famous. Greed is... Good. Now, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? There was much made about that statement. And it was about that time that CEOs' salaries were going way up. People would buy up companies and sell off their assets and basically strip or bankrupt the companies in order to take the money out of them. Greed is good. Get all you can. It's interesting to think about that now in the current circumstances, isn't it? AIG, IndyMac Bank, countrywide. If you could choose only one word to describe what's happened in our economy, greed wouldn't be a bad word, would it? Because it has certainly contributed to where we are today as a nation and even as a world. Greed. Now, this morning as we begin this series, uh, pick it up on generosity, I need to talk to you about greed. And uh, there is a Bible in front of you that most of these are printed in the outline. This one is not. But if you don't mind turning to Exodus chapter 20 and let's look at the 10th commandment you all know it by heart as a good baptist i realize that but uh, you might want to turn to the scripture and uh, it's on page 66 and uh, who would be willing to just stand up and read exodus 20:17 the 10th commandment exodus 20:17 anybody want to read loudly today robin thank you thank you you shall not covet i want selfishness greed Can I get? Grasping. All of those things are cousins to the word greed. They're all very similar. And one of the great commandments is don't covet. Don't be greedy. Now, two of my best girlfriends are named Abigail and Olivia. They're almost four years old. And they're cousins. And when they play together... Uh, This has happened over and over. These are the sweetest, most beautiful little girls you've seen. One of them was with us in church a few weeks ago. But when they play together, soon one of them will come running and say, Papa, Abigail has my toy, and she won't give it to me. It's mine. So I go in and I say, Abigail, uh, what's going on? I get the story. You know, it's always some story. And um, I say, well, Abigail, maybe you could share with Olivia in five minutes. And she'll say, okay, Papa, in five minutes. Holds up two fingers. Now, I don't know how you look at newborns and children and infants, but the seed of greed is in their hearts. And if you've ever been around little kids, you realize that they don't want to share. We have to teach them. They want to cling on. It may not even be theirs, but they want it. And here's these two beautiful little girls, and they want what the other has. And it's tough to outgrow that, isn't it? It's tough to be truly happy when someone else is blessed and has something you don't have. So this morning, we cannot move down the road of generosity if we don't deal with this subject of greed and covetousness in our own hearts. So that's where I'm going to go for a few minutes. Now, the seed of greed is in our souls. So let's look at the first point this morning, which is this. If we're going to move toward freedom... And if we're going to move toward generosity and the freedom of generosity, we've got to deal with the seed of greed in our hearts. Generosity breaks greed's grip. One of the reasons I believe so strongly in tithing and giving regularly in a disciplined way to the church is that as Joyce and I receive income on whatever basis, the first thing we do is give something away. It helps break the grip of greed on this old stingy heart. Because I've given it away. Now, it does other things, too. We'll come to that. Uh, What does the Bible say about greed? Well, here's one scripture from Luke chapter 12. It's in your uh, notes here. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Now, this is an adult. This wasn't Abigail and Olivia. But it's the same story, isn't it? But Jesus said to him, Friend, I love this. Jesus just won't be drawn into dysfunctional relationships. Friend, who set me as the judge or the arbiter between the two of you? And Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Now, I'd like you to look at verse 15. If you would like an exercise or an assignment from today, memorize that verse it will help you move away from greed toward generosity. In fact, uh, let's read that verse together if we could. I want to read verse 15. And it says, uh, it starts with, and he said to them. Could you read that with me? You ready? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Thank you. Greed. Now, there are a couple other scriptures, actually there are a lot of other scriptures in the Bible about greed, and I'd like you to listen, or you can turn there if you'd like, but in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, there are two scriptures, Ephesians 5.3 and Ephesians 5.5. 5. Ephesians 5.3 5, But fornication and impurity of any kind, or greed, must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among the saints. Verse 5 Be sure of this, no fornicator or impure person, no one who is greedy, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ and of God. Another scripture over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul again writing about greed. He says, put to death, therefore, that's exercise this in yourself. Put to death, therefore, whatever whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, possession, e- passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. A similar verse to Ephesians. And then one more example. In uh, Second Peter, Peter is writing a warning about false prophets, teachers out there that act like they're Christians, they pretend they're Christians, but they're really far from God. And it's interesting. Here's what he says. Watch out for false prophets, verse 1. And then in verse uh, 3 he says, And in their greed... They will exploit you with deceptive words. Greed is a mark of a false prophet. And he says their hearts have been trained in greed. So the Scripture says quite a bit about greed. It actually says that greedy people aren't going to inherit God's kingdom. That's sobering. And he also says that false prophets can be noted by their greed. That's also interesting. And I'm not going to go down the road, although it's very tempting to flesh that out a little bit. So again, greed is a huge issue as we come to this subject of generosity. Greed is, according to the Scripture, not good. Now, Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. So here's my question. How much stuff do you need? Hmm. How many shoes do you need? How many clothes in your closet? How many cars do you need? How many? How much stuff do you need? Jesus said your life doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions. Now, if you're here today and you're homeless and you don't have anything, this is good news in one sense, because God's saying, you know what, I care as much about you and you're as important to me as the person in the room who has the most stuff, because stuff doesn't matter to God. That's not what makes up our lives. So, when do we move from having what we need to greed? Now, you have to wrestle with that. When do we move from having what we need to greed? That's a sobering question, isn't it? What is too much stuff? Uh, how do Why do we grasp and hoard and accumulate? Now, I want to linger a bit more on this subject of greed, and then we'll move towards generosity. But do you realize that greed actually enslaves you? The theme today is generosity, moving toward freedom. The point is you can't be free if you're greedy because greed enslaves you. I'll never forget a dear couple in our church who uh, came into some money, and they loved to camp, and they used to take their tent and they'd go camping. Well, they got enough money to buy a boat, so they'd go out to Castaic all the time and go skiing. They loved to water ski. They got good at water skiing. But, you know, it's no fun camping in a tent, so you need an RV. So they got the big RV, and they put the boat on the back, and... They drove away from church, and we never saw them again. Because you really don't want to have all that stuff and not use it, right? So the more stuff you accumulate, the more time it takes up in your life, if nothing else. And Jesus said our life doesn't consist of the abundance of our possessions. Greed leads to selfishness, or is selfishness, and it leads to slavery. It does not lead to freedom. And this morning we're talking about how can we be free, and how can we be generous. So... um, Someone wrote this down. It's in your notes. We are born brave, trusting, and greedy. Most of us remain greedy. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, Did you hear about the pastor who had been teaching in the church? He was fairly new. He'd been there about a year. And one day, in a crowd of people, a, a loud church lady said this, Pastor, I never knew so much about sin until you came here. Now, As I talk about greed, I hope uh, some things are being revealed in your life as you think about um, what Jesus said. Our life does not consist in the abundance of our possession. Generosity breaks, grips greed on our hearts. Now, what is the antidote to greed? The antidote to greed is generosity. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are fabulous chapters on being generous and actually giving money. They're the best chapters in the Bible that you can read about giving away money. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. We can just touch part of it. Paul says this. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap... What? Sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as you have made up your mind. Each one of you must give as you have made up your mind. Each one of you must give... The Bible does say each one of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, think of the word antidote with me. A-N-T-I. That's the first part of the word. A-N-T-I. It means against. It's a word that stands all on its own. It means against. The other part, D-O-T-E, is from the Greek word didonai, which means to give. So an antidote is something that comes up against something. And if you get bit by a rattlesnake, they give you a serum, an antidote, to help fight off the infection, right? Or the the, the poison. Uh, The antidote to not sleeping, for some people, it wouldn't work for everybody. But if you just can't sleep at night, you know what you might try doing the next day? Exercise. Yeah, go out and walk or run for about an hour. If that doesn't do it, try two. Try three. You'll sleep like a baby. The antidote, oftentimes, to sleeplessness is simply... Exercise it will help. Uh, you get the idea. Somebody wrote this: um, How to counteract greed. If you want to be needy, hoard. If you want to be poor, grasp. If you want abundance, scatter. If you want to be rich, give. Now, suppose you're a teacher or you want to be a teacher, and you go to school, you study the books, you get the degrees. Are you a teacher? No. You may know about teaching, but you can't be a teacher until you, what? Teach. Suppose you want to be an artist or a painter. You can study it all you want, but you someday have to pick up the brush and start painting. Suppose you want to be a singer. Someday, you open your mouth, you have to start singing. And if you want to be generous, you have to start, what? Giving. You have to start being generous. You have to practice it. You have to do it if you want to be generous. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, There's a story coming out of the Midwest of an old doctor. This is back in the day when doctors actually visited people. It still happens in some places. And this old doctor was sleeping soundly about 2 a.m. and the phone rang. And a caller was sick and needed medical attention and wondered if the doctor would come. And the old doctor said, do you have any money? And the sick person said, yes, yes, I have lots of money. I can pay you. And the old doctor said, good, that's great. Call the new doctor in town. I can't afford to get out of bed for somebody who has any money. Now, that's a generous statement. That's a rich statement. That's, that's a statement out of generosity. Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians in this amazing passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, uh, The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you want to break the greed of grip, if you really want to move into freedom... You can't just do a little bit. You're going to have to become extravagantly generous, very generous. If you plant one tomato plant, you might get enough tomatoes for a few meals. If you plant several, you'll get enough maybe for the summer, your family. If you plant 10 or 20 plants, you're going to be bringing tomatoes to church because you've got more than you can use. When uh, when we moved from Chicago to Granada Hills, we thought we had died and gone to heaven for lots of reasons. But uh, one reason was that in the spring, or I don't even know when it was now, but when, when do avocados become ready? Spring? great. Right. I guess it was in the spring. We show up for church one day, and there's this big uh, there's this big uh, fruit bin filled with avocados. And Earl McVinch says, hey, anybody need avocados, take some. And we said, wow, can you believe it? You just grab some avocados and go home and get sick on guacamole. It was amazing. Now, he had acres of avocados there in Granada Hills. He couldn't sell them all. He'd bring them to church abundance. You sow a little, you reap a little. You sow a lot, you reap a lot. That's what Paul is saying in this chapter. And then he goes on in verse 11 and says, God wants to bless you so that you're always rich and can always be generous. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. God wants to bless you abundantly. In fact, uh, look at the scriptures that I've given you. It says, well, we're going to come to that in a minute. I'll I'll slow down here. Uh, So anyhow, here's what I would like you to do. In the next 24 hours, I would like you to be thinking about one generous act you can do. It might just be a start. But think of something you can say or do that would be generous and do it within the next 24 hours. Because if you put this off, there's not going to be any change. You're just going to heard a sermon. You'll say, nice job, Steve, and that's the end of it. So we're going to have to start doing generous deeds, saying generous things, having generous attitudes. Um, If you... By the way, I hope you buy one of these generosity books. They're two bucks. We're trying to be generous. It's a two-buck book. And uh, if you can't afford the two bucks, go ahead and, uh, well, you can put it on the quarter-a-week plan or whatever. But in this is by Gordon McDonald and it's a devotional. You can read a little bit every day. And uh, you can also go on generosity.com. They've got some videos. We can't show you the whole video, but I can show you the end of this video. There's a couple in Kentucky that you're going to see in just a moment. Uh, I think it's Jess and Angela. And the story is this guy Jess and his brother, as teenagers, decided we want to be the richest men in Kentucky. And so they began to plan for that, and in in their mid-20s, I think they were 26, they bought their first bank in Kentucky. And they began to be rich. Now, I don't know if they ever reached that goal, but they became quite wealthy. But Jess admits in this video, he says, I'm greedy. All I care about is money. So much so that it destroyed his first marriage, and he talks about that. His brother was lavish and generous. And after his brother died of brain cancer, uh, Jess began to think, wow, why was my brother so lavish and generous, and why has my life ended up on the rocks? He continued to make a lot of money, but he just wasn't happy. And so this is about the transformation in their life, and uh, let's watch the end of this video.
1: We started a strategic plan where we would meet once a year to look over and really kind of develop a vision statement for our marriage. It's been really helpful to keep us on the same page, and not to say that we don't have struggles, and we still do, but it it is a time once a year that we sit down, we revisit our previous year's plan, make adjustments to it, and then we try to revisit it about once every three months. Do not acquire anything. For how long? <laughs> this is for the whole year, <laughs> but work on what we have.
2: We will give uh, 10 times, or 10 or 12 times what, uh, on a good year what we spend. And I, I love what my father says. He, he says the antidote to greed is recklessly giving away money. And I think it's true. When, when, uh, when, uh, just the very act of giving money away is an abundance mentality, and it'll it'll just it just purifies your heart and soul, and 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 then makes you dependent on God again to bring the next load in.
1: I've always had a heart for missions growing up. I I really thought I was going to be a missionary someday. I mean, I just felt like I had a kind of a call on my life to do that, and. Um, And God has given that to me. Not because I've gone, but I've been partnering with people that are there. And that's been the most beautiful thing, really. I mean, it's just the best of all worlds because, you know, I get to partner with people in all different places in the world that I would never have been able to go to personally.
2: Vince to say that uh, money is like manure. If you let it stack up, it'll start to stink. And he said, if you kind of spread it out, it has the potential to do some good, kind of like fertilizer. And it's true.
0: Well, I bet you never thought of that before. Money is like manure. If you let it stack up, it starts to stink. If you spread it out, it might do some good. Uh, One of the things Jess said, which leads us to our final comment today about moving from Agree moving towards freedom in our life. What does it mean to be truly free? Jess said, You know, as we give away money, and if you didn't catch that, he said, In a good year, we give away 10 to 12 times what we spend. That's rich giving. Um, he said, As we give it away, we then have to depend more on God. And this last comment is this We move towards freedom as we depend on God and not on material wealth. And I got excited a moment ago when we got into 2 Corinthians uh, 9 because I love this chapter. But follow along as I read these words. The first four words are, and God is able. And frankly, when it comes down to this theme, folks, it really is a matter of faith, isn't it? Is God able to take you, take care of you or not? That is the question. And as we think about generosity, that's what you have to struggle with. Do you trust God or do you trust your greed and what you accumulate, which is idolatry? It says, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance... So that you always having enough of everything may share abundantly every good work. As it is written, God scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing the harvest of your righteousness. God is able. And the question as we, as we conclude today, really, do we depend on God? Or do we depend on our stuff for our security? We think our stuff can save us, but it only enslaves us. We think as we um, grasp and hoard and accumulate, somehow that's going to set us free. It won't. Uh, in the book, uh, Generosity, Gordon MacDonald is writing about <clears throat> this subject. And I want to read a scripture and then what he says about this. He talks about slowly drifting away from God. And it's actually statistically true that the more wealthy you become, the less percent of your money you'll actually give away. Now, there are exceptions to that, but unfortunately, that's the trend. The more wealthy you become, it's likely you'll give less percent of your income away. How strange. How strange. Slow drift from God. Jesus said this in Luke chapter uh, 16. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will... Hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve what? God and money. You cannot serve what? God and money. Now, here's what Gordon MacDonald writes. Many of us will want to deny the force of Jesus' statement. Better that we capitulate to it. Better that we acknowledge that when we have a surplus of money, we are, we are always on the cusp of being away from God. With money, we have, to, we have less to pray for. With money, we have less of a sense of dependence on God. With money, we are tempted toward the myth of self-sufficiency. And with money, and the, we face the constant stress of aligning our priorities, with, of not aligning our priorities with kingdom purposes. Oh, this too. With money, we are forever fighting pride and losing humility. These are the possibilities. So it's a question of whom do you serve? So as we close close this morning, and if you're reading through the book, you'll come across this story. Uh, Gordon talks about the fact that uh, the king of Siam would find an enemy or someone that he didn't uh, like or wanted to do harm with, and he would give the person a white elephant. Because in that culture, a white elephant was sacred, and so you had to protect it. You couldn't destroy it. You had to take care of it. So he would give a white elephant to someone that was his enemy, and that enemy would receive the white elephant, the albino elephant, and they would spend all their resources and fortune and energy trying to take care of that big animal, and it would soon destroy them. Now, he goes on to say, Has Satan given us a white elephant called riches, prosperity? And so we spend all our life in energy consuming and consuming and consuming and getting and getting and getting and having more and more and more. And in the end, we say, God, I don't have time for this. I don't have money for that because, well, we're too busy with the elephant. Now, in your outline, you hopefully have a little post-it note. And I'd like you to find that post-it note right now. And would like you to... Uh, Answer the question, what is your white elephant? Or to put it another way, um, if Jesus and you were walking through your house, looking over your stuff and looking at your bank account, what is it that you're greedy for? What do you tend to stockpile? Maybe you've got not just a pantry full of food, but an attic and a basement full of food. I don't know. Maybe your house is uh, stockpiled with clothes. You haven't worn most of them in a year, but they're there. Maybe you've got shoes from back in the day when, uh, I don't know. Do you have the idea? What is it that you tend to be greedy toward or stockpile? And just write that down here. I'm greedy about or my white elephant is. Jess was very honest. He wanted to be rich, and money was his greed. So to break that, he had to give it away. And I want you to write that down. What we're going to do is ask you to bring forward and just offer that to God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give up trying to hoard this or stockpile that I'm giving it to you. I'm going to trust you to help me I'm generous. And you can just lay that on the communion table as your act of worship as we partake communion today. Is that clear? I hope, I hope you'll be willing to really ask the Lord what it is that uh, that's your white elephant in life. What causes you to cling rather than to release? Last Sunday, I concluded by this. We talked about our fists. This is a symbol of grasping, of hanging on, of hoarding. When you open it, you're saying, God, I, I release I open, I receive, and this morning I hope that's your prayer. I'd like for us to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's, if you don't know it, it's written on your outline, and uh, you can follow along by reading this prayer from your outline, or we'll, um, if you know it, we can get together and we'll be saying the word debt and debtor. So would you uh, bow in a moment of prayer, and let's read the Lord's Prayer as we conclude and prepare for communion. Read with me. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want to stay in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, because Paul talks about generosity, and God is able to be generous towards you, and God has been generous toward you. And at the end of this, he talks about the gospel of Christ, and then he has this sentence, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And again, as we come to this table, God has given us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As you partake of the bread, you're saying, yes, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Take of the cup, you're saying, yes, Jesus has washed away my sins. He's forgiven me. I'm free. I'm clean because of God's generosity. And this table is open to you. You simply need to say yes to God to receive. So I encourage you as you come forward to have that thought in your head. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus, the gift of life here and now the riches that that brings to us. And I want to encourage you to be worshiping the Lord in that way. We're going to serve communion today in the following way. Folks in this section can come to this table. I'm going to ask you to exit out to your right and come forward. There'll be an usher there, and I'll ask the ushers to come down now. Uh, They'll escort you out. You can come to this table. Pastor uh, Jennifer and Pastor Eddie will be serving with me. If you're in that section, you go to Pastor Jennifer's table, and this section will be with Pastor Eddie. And I'll ask you to come up in rows or in small groups and we'll serve you communion. And as you're waiting, I encourage you to worship the Lord and be considering what, uh, what is my white elephant? What is it that I tend to be greedy toward? What do I try to hang on to? And write that down, offer it to the Lord as you come forward. So let me pray again and we'll begin. Father God, we calm our hearts. We've heard your word, but we want to receive it into our souls. Help us in this moment to decide at least one way in which we're going to be more generous than we normally are as we leave here today. Within 24 hours, we're going to do some amazing act of generosity, at least amazing for us. Help us to do that. Lord, as we come forward, we are empowered to be generous because you've been generous with us, and we thank you. Father, we confess that in some areas of our lives there's greed. We hang on, we cling to, our dependency is on Something other than you, and that's idolatry. And we confess it now. And again, we thank you for your indescribable gift. Jesus, amen.